pulled off an impressive feat. They got no hit but pulled out the win. <laughs> One yes. to nothing against Eastern. There's nothing that like it. college softball. That, that is a fact. <laughs> I'm going to say fact on that one. That's a that's an interesting development. So you could catch all the baseball and softball games uh, live on the sports stream uh, if you want to tune in this week. But uh, that's pretty much going to wrap things up for all of us here in the basement of the Student Activities Building. So for Tony Bolton, Rob Solomon, Dave Bickle, Steve Schuster, and Ted Pickett's Behind the Glass, I'm Steve Lake saying good night, Michigan. This has been a production of WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. And then right back to the Europe. He will beat it to Cogliano. Cogliano but the shot on, he scores! Andrew Cogliano at the top of the far face-off circle. Rips a shot that I don't think Dominic McCary saw. And beats him over the left shoulder. Wolverines with another power play goal. They are back in front. 3-2. to two. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screams of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets. Swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingles, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Guilt, blast, pound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off, back, return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time flack. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Pilots back to base. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and uh, well, Jim Dwyer ought to be uh, down here with me uh, in a couple of weeks. There's an Easter break coming up for the Ann Arbor Public School System. I think he'll be down here. I'm not sure, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, sort of a uh, strange week last week, interesting week. Uh, Frank Rich was wonderful at uh, Rackham Auditorium last week, uh, giving his uh, take on uh, what's actually going on in the world today. And we look forward to his return to his regular Sunday column uh, coming up in several weeks. He uh, talked extensively about the uh, how the news has changed, the 24-7 news, news cycle, and what he calls the mediathon. So it was an interesting discussion of contemporary uh, political and cultural uh, goings-on here in America. I don't think I'll... <laughs> review it any further than that other than uh, I think probably some of what he uh, said in the speech will uh, probably be out in a forthcoming book well I don't know if uh, Zacharias Musawi um, is going to consult Ted Kuczynski for uh, <laughs> legal advice but uh, he may want to show up in court tomorrow with his underwear on <laughs> uh We've said this before, if you want to represent yourself in a uh, criminal trial as your own lawyer, 
Um, and of course, he apparently took the stand against the advice of his lawyers. Uh, as the saying goes, you have a uh, fool for a client and then uh, ass for a lawyer. And uh, I think you can switch that around and apply it to Musawi. He gets a brain damage award. Uh, I find his testimony rather... Uh, well, let's just say it's, I don't think it's credible. Um, I don't think he was part of the 9-11 plot. He may have been part of some other plot, but this idea that him and Richard Reed were somehow part of a fifth plane that was supposed to be hijacked uh, doesn't strike me as terribly uh, credible. And I don't know whether he's gunning for the death penalty. Of course, this case uh, took on uh, big news a couple of weeks ago, as it turns out, in a sort of a junior attorney in the uh, Justice Department was caught uh, coaching witnesses in violation of legal ethics, etc., and was seriously rebuked by the judge in question. It strikes me that the uh, federal government is quite anxious to... Uh, put Musawi to death, regardless of whether or not, just to kind of, I don't know, accommodate the f victims of 9-11 so that somebody pays for this. Uh, it's it's all very strange. It r sort of reminded me of the disappointment that many people expressed when, uh, the, when uh, Milosevic was found dead in his prison cell a couple of weeks ago. People were regretting the fact that uh, he wasn't going to be uh, able to account for his crimes or uh, put to death, although I'm a little unclear whether in Europe that would have even been permitted. But um, the Musawi trial will be a sideshow from more relevant uh, things that are going on. Of course, last week Mr. Bush had one of these smirky uh, Weis Weisenheimer news conferences once again, um, continuing to sell the war, and of course the truth uh, just keeps trickling out <laughs> regarding the incompetence and the mindset that the Bush administration was in. I think it was refreshing for the president to admit that we'll probably now be in Iraq till the year 2009. We have argued this down here on Gray Matters in the past, both Jim and I, pointing out that uh, President Bush cannot afford to allow Iraq to degenerate into a civil war. Uh, it is a low-grade civil war at the moment, at the very least. Uh, whether you want to call it sectarian violence or low counterinsurgency or what have you, the uh, goings-on in Iraq are nothing short of uh, horrendous. Um, and it is a little reminiscent of a, uh, superior, a superior movie that I saw yesterday at the People's Choice Awards at the Ann Arbor Film Festival, Unfortunately, I didn't write the title down on this. It was something like Back Home or Coming Home, uh, something to that effect. But it was about the uh, absolutely horrific uh, killings that went on in Rwanda and told from a uh, sort of first-person uh, first perspective about uh, the young man uh, in question who I actually encountered in the uh, audience as I was leaving the theater last night and congratulated him on his fine work. Brian Tomzik uh, interviewed this gentleman on his sh fine reggae show uh, this past week. Uh, uh, the Saturday night reggae sh show heard on here uh, on WCBN from 7 to 9. So hopefully this uh, movie will get uh, further uh, play. And once again, just a quick comment. The Annabelle Film Festival, I think, was excellent once again. I think... Because of the proliferation of video and uh, more and more people doing home, mo home movies, 
the quality at the Ann Arbor Film Festival is uh, very fine indeed. And I thought that the uh, People's Choice Awards in particular were <laughs> all superb selections. I particularly like the animation, the brief animation that was selected. In any event, um, of course, today in the uh, front page of the New York Times, um, we have further confirmation of the inevitability of war regarding a, a new uh, memo uh, that's coming out. Uh, this by David Manning, a uh, assistant to Tony Blair. Uh, this recounts and confirms basically the substance of the so-called Downing Memo in which the British viewed America's position regarding war as uh, one of inevitability and one in which, um, of course, the British were trying to save face and um, lend a degree of credibility regarding the war. Um, they wanted a UN resolution, uh, which, of course, the United States and Britain failed to get. And one of the um, mistaken... Um, choices that is made in a lot of the polls taken regarding the declining support by the American people for the war in Iraq is the fact that before George Bush issued his ultimatum on St. Patrick's Day of 2003 to Saddam Hussein, for Saddam Hussein to leave power, leave Iraq within 48 hours of the war would start, which of course it did, um, is that at the time in March of uh, 2000, and uh, three, we had weapons inspectors in Iraq. Um, the notion that Saddam Hussein was not cooperating with uh, the weapons inspectors is false. I mean, he, the, the weapons inspectors, in fact, had destroyed many Iraqi missiles uh, just that very year. Um, so getting the weapons inspectors back into Iraq that the Security Council uh, did endorse, I believe, in November of 2002 demonstrated the actual choice that Bush had. He could continue with the policy of inspections, weapons inspectors in Iraq, um, doing the job that the UN had commissioned, or starting the war, which he decided to do. This forced the UN weapons inspectors out of Iraq. It was not Saddam Hussein in 2003 that forced the weapons inspectors out of Iraq. It was George Bush who pretty much said, look, I'll start bombing your country in 48 hours if you don't leave Iraq within 48 hours, knowing full well, of course, that Saddam Hussein would never accept such a position. So this article in today's front, uh, New York Times by Don Van Natta is just one more devastating confirmation of the flawed policy of the war uh, that the Bush uh, regime, and I think it's appropriate that we start calling them a regime because of uh, continuing questions about the validity of both the 2000 and 2004 presidential elections here in America. Uh, the Bush regime was determined uh, on war in Iraq, as these notes confirm. Just quoting briefly from the article, the memo indicates that the two leaders, Bush and Blair, envisioned a quick victory and a transition to a new Iraqi government that would be complicated but manageable. Mr. Bush predicted that it was, quote, unlikely that there would be internecine warfare between the different religious or ethnic groups, quote, unquote. Mr. Blair agreed with this assessment. The memo also shows that the president and the prime minister acknowledged that no unconventional weapons had been found, inside Iraq, 
Faced with the possibility of not finding any before the planned invasion, Mr. Bush talked about several ways to provoke a confrontation, including, and get this, a proposal to paint a United States surveillance plane in the colors of the United Nations in the hopes of drawing fire or assassinating Mr. Hussein. Now, this idea of uh, disguising or, (laughs) uh, shall we say, fraudulently painting an American plane into a U.N. plane hoping to provoke an incident is uh, exactly what uh, the German military did uh, regarding the the invasion of Poland. (laughs) They uh, dressed um, some of their SS people up in Polish uh, military fatigues and faked a, a, quote, incursion into their territory, thus justifying their invasion of Poland back in 1939 under this similar sort of scheme. So the, the notion that this was even discussed with the British, I find mind-boggling and very troubling. And it'll be interesting to uh, see if Mr. Bush answers any of these questions in his next news conference. I somewhat doubt it. Um, Anyway, uh, continuing on just briefly with some of uh, Don Van Natta's other assertions in this article, um, that I, uh, you know, it's incredible to me that Mr. Bush and Blair, quote, envisioned a quick victory and a transition to a new Iraqi government that would be complicated but manageable. In fact, everybody knew that the military victory would be quick. Um... (laughs) Saddam Hussein's military had been devastated by the first Persian Gulf War. There were sanctions in place on Iraq for approximately 12 years, devastating sanctions that had horrible consequences to the civilian population of Iraq. Saddam Hussein had no air force. He had no navy. Uh, He had a discombobulated uh, army um, that every American saw in the first Persian Gulf War uh, surrendered en masse when we actually crossed the border from Kuwait. So, so of course, the quick victory would occur, but to contemplate that there wouldn't be problems managing uh, the post-war conflict demonstrates uh, the total failure of the Bush administration to deal with reality. And, of course, we've got this new uh, book out by... uh, co-authored by Michael Gordon and uh, Bernard Trainer, They've been making the sort of the lecture circuit the last several weeks. I don't have the title of the book in front of me, but it demonstrates, and of course this is from the military perspective, it demonstrates repeatedly that there was this sort of troika between Cheney, Bush, and Rumsfeld regarding new theories of warfare, uh, this new uh, program that Don Rumsfeld was initiating in the Pentagon, under a concept of reorganization in which the uh, American military would be used as a quick-strike force. This is why we didn't have enough troops uh, in the invasion. This is why this uh, delay involving the Turkish, uh, the northern uh, front, so to speak, was uh, conveniently avoided, which uh, contributed to the uh, post-war chaos. This is why the United States didn't have enough uh, troops to secure the borders. Of course, Securing the oil wells were an important consideration for uh, the president, uh, as these memos indicate. By the way, uh, other people at the meeting were Condoleezza Rice, who is uh, continuing to be openly discussed as a credible presidential candidate for 2008. Give me a break. 
Uh, this woman has a lot of things to answer for. Um, she's at the one who, of course, uh, made the incredible statement uh, about the mushroom cloud and uh, said that uh, nobody could have envisioned that planes would have been flown into the World Trade Center when, in fact, memos were uh, widely circulating in the American government to that effect. It was also attended by Dan Freed, a senior aide to uh, Ms. Rice, Andrew Card, chief of staff at the White House, along with uh, David Manning, Jonathan Powell, Mr. Blair's chief of staff, and Matthew Rycroft, a foreign policy aide and author of the Downing Street Memo. Uh, this, of course, came out uh, last year um, and was written in July of 2002, uh, showing, quote, that some senior British officials had been concerned that the United States was determined to invade Iraq and that intelligence and facts were being, quote, fixed around the policy, unquote. This just confirms the continuing picture of the inevitability, even that the British thought of the war. And, of course, it was shortly after July of 2002 in which the Bush administration went on a full press public relations gambit to sell the war to the public. And, of course, we have a continuing poll showing how the American people are growing impatient with the war. Uh, th these numbers uh, are not shocking or surprising, and it shows uh, dwindling support uh, for the president uh, on this regard. Uh, just real quickly on the percentage who said that the U.S. Uh, should bring troops home from Iraq as soon as possible, 67% of dev Democrats favor this, 53% of independents, and even 27% of Republicans uh, favor this policy. A new Pew poll found that 49% now believe that the United States would succeed in Iraq compared to 60% last July. A CBS News poll completed two weeks ago found a majority, 54%, believed Iraq would never become a stable democracy. And, of course, various dumb Americans are quoted in the article um, saying that they're less optimistic um, there have been too many deaths, says Dolly Shoon of New Mexico, and it's time for them to come back home. Dolly Shoon, needless to say, voted for Mr. Bush and supported the war um, when it commenced. Um, these people that uh, flip-flopped on the war, uh, really, I, I have no sympathy for them. I have always argued that one of the reasons Bush went to war, one of the reasons not discussed by the White House press corps in their news conferences, is Bush's sagging popularity before the war started. Let's remember that 35% of Americans opposed the war from the get-go. Uh, and while there was some rallying around the flag, uh, once the bombs started flying, uh, the opposition to the war in America has always been strong. There's been no consensus. There never was a consensus to go to war in Iraq. This was Mr. Bush's policy. Uh, this is called a bipartisan war. This is also nonsense. If you go back and you check the voting record of the war, three-fifths of the Democrats in the House of Representatives voted against the Bush uh, resolution that was rushed through Congress before the 2002 elections. Half of the Democrats in the Senate did so. Every single Republican in Congress, except for Lincoln Chafee, Senator from Rhode Island, Jim Leach of Iowa, and Connie Morella, who's no longer in Congress. She was defeated in the 2002 elections, one of the only Republicans to be defeated. 
um, were the only Republicans in the entire Congress to actually vote against the Bush resolution. This is a Republican war from the beginning until the end. And this idea that the Democrats are supposed to have some sort of policy option that uh, the big new Brzezinski discussed extensively last week is is kind of absurd. It, uh, you know, when you look at how the Bush administration operates, when the law doesn't support what they want to do, they just simply break the law, as the NSA surveillance uh, scandal, which uh, hasn't really been uh, explored enough by Congress as of uh, this time, um, demonstrates. Um, this, these torture memos, the, the whole operation of Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay, Bagram Airport, Abu Ghraib, these horrendous policies of the Bush administration uh, are simply indefensible all the way down the line. Um, by the way, there are some other interesting things in the uh, Don Van Natta article um, this is uh, some of the other president's wisdom. Summarizing statements by the president, the memo says that the air campaign would last four days, during which some 1,500 targets would be hit. Great care would be taken to avoid hitting innocent civilians. Bush thought that the impact of the air onslaught would ensure the early collapse of the Saddam regime. Given the military's timetable, we needed to go for a second resolution as soon as possible. This probably meant that after Blix's, and that's Hans Blix's, next report to the Security Council in mid-February. So remember, by the way, it's now been revealed that March 10th was the sort of the deadline that Bush and the goal that Bush had established for starting the war. Let's also remember that military experts at the time were pointing out to the public and everybody at large that the... Um, Hot weather in Iraq in the summer uh, prevented any sort of summer invasion of Iraq. So Bush was in a hurry to get this war started uh, for climate reasons. Uh, and uh, global warming uh, was not one of them. But it was the hot weather in Iraq. Regarding the post-war in uh, control of Iraq, says that the two men briefly discussed plans for a post-Hussein Iraqi government. The prime minister asked about the aftermath planning. The memo says Condi Rice said that a great deal of work was now in hand, whatever the heck that means. Referring to the Defense Department, it said, quote, a planning cell at the Department of Defense was looking into all aspects that would deploy all aspects, and would deploy to Iraq to direct operations as soon as military action was over. Bush said that a great deal of detailed planning had been done on supplying the Iraq people with food and medicine. I'm sure it had. Uh, the question is, why were the military people that Gordon and Trainer, uh, military uh, experts, and uh, New York Times uh, correspondents on defense matters uh, for quite some time, who have now written a second book uh, regarding uh, Bush uh, versus Saddam, the sequel. Uh, remember, in Hollywood, almost every sequel is worse than the original. Um, you know, where was uh, why was the president firing all and discharging all of these military advisors that were? telling him that 200,000 troops would be needed, that as many as 300,000 might be needed. Why was Lawrence Lindsay 
chairman of the economic advisors, dismissed for actually openly testifying to Congress that the war would cost somewhere between a hundred and two hundred billion. Um, predictions that now actually look um, off the mark by at least fifty percent. Um, he was fired for being too pessimistic. And let's remember that uh, the original war plan called for the United States to be out of Iraq in six months. Well, uh, that has not come to pass. We know this. And the president uh, continues to be in denial about uh, what's actually going on um, and continues the sales job of the war in Iraq. So we give him a brain damage award for his performance last week. Uh, on uh, at the news conference. Oh, yes, he did call on Helen Thomas and then relished the fact that he could beat her about the head and shoulders for the next couple of days in the media. Uh, interestingly, by the way, in an article by uh, David Cole, Are We Safer? I quoted from this last week, but I wanted to quote one of the preeminent military analysts in America regarding um, the uh, so-called insurgency in Iraq. In the article, he, uh, David Cole, and the article is dated uh, the March 9th of uh, 2006 from the New York Review of Books. Anthony Cordesman has identified 32 adaptations to U.S. strategy that the insurgents have successfully made since the war began, including, quote, mixed attacks, in which one bomb follows another with some delay in order to maximize injury to police and rescue workers, more sophisticated surveillance of U.S. forces and their allies, improved infiltration of the Iraqi military and police forces, and increasingly uh, deadly improvised explosive devices. The insurgencies have obtained access to large caches of Saddam's arms that the U.S. military failed to secure, and have been able to demonstrate to the world their commitment and their willingness to die by daily attacks on U.S. and Iraqi military and police forces. Many of them suicide attacks that are videotaped and promptly disseminated throughout the Arab world via the Internet. Uh, as Benjamin and Simon, and this is the book uh, that uh, David Cole was reviewing, put it, the administration, quote, failed the first test of military leadership. They did not know who their real enemy was, quote, unquote. And indeed, we are beginning to find out from other defense correspondents, and I wanted to give Laura Ingram a brain damage award for trying to claim that the American media is not doing their job over in Iraq and that the coverage is too negative. Um, Laura Ingram is one of these uh, semi-sexy radio personalities that's frequently a guest on Fox News. And, of course, last week she was on the Today Show uh, taking... Uh, the American media to task for staying in their hotels and not investigating the stories and claiming uh, that not enough uh, military personnel are being interviewed. Um, yeah, <laughs> obviously the generals that were interviewed <laughs> uh, were not listened to by the president. So even reporting what they might have said in dissent over this disastrous war decision uh, wouldn't satisfy Laura Ingram. I wanted to just give her a brain damage award for her general stupidity on this issue. I don't know if she's been tramping around Iraq on her own, uh, getting the story, so to speak. This is just nonsense. The American media 
and international media have indeed lost something like 90 people in Iraq covering the war. I think that the casualties to the Ameri- the worldwide media has actually exceeded Vietnam uh, so much for her uh, expertise. But we are now learning, incidentally, from and I believe it's Martha Raddatz that is now reporting this, that in interviewing the Iraq military that the United States is so determined to train to take over this mission, Bush, we will uh, come home as the Iraqi military forces stand up, we will stand down, blah, blah, blah. We've heard that for the last year. Um of course, that hasn't been happening because we now find that, according to the American military, Iraq has no units that are capable of performing on their own. And we are being told from Martha Raddatz, who's sort of a defense expert correspondent, that indeed the uh, insurgents have superior firepower to the Iraqi military. So, you know, the, the notion that uh, somehow this training mission over in Iraq is succeeding is... <laughs> There just aren't any facts to it. Where this progress is, where it's being made, I have no idea. And on to a more uh, interesting question that was not asked by the the press uh, corps last week to Mr. Bush about the so-called war on terror. This from a May 27th. Uh, 2005 article based on an, a paper written by William Harting um, about worldwide weapons sales by the U.S. government. Leslie Wayne writes, the sales of military weapons to other countries, including many that were once barred from making such purchases, has increased sharply since the 9-11 attacks, according to a New York research group. Among the countries are Pakistan, Afghanistan, Algeria, and Uzbekistan, and some two dozen other countries have either become first-time recipients since 9-11 or have been admitted to the program after long absences. The study found that the largest military aid program, the Foreign Military Financing Program, increased 68% from 2001 to 2003 to reach $6 billion, a peak amount, before trending back to the current $4.5 billion. goes on to detail all the Arab countries that have purchased arms from the United States under this Bush so-called war on terror. This is the president arming a lot of countries that are unstable, and it's this is mind-boggling. This has gone up 68% uh, under the Bush administration in which the United States is supplying the weapons of mass destruction. Now, it's not beyond the pale to c- contemplate that if we're selling billions of dollars worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Kuwait, the United Arab Emirates that's been in the news a lot lately, Algeria, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Uzbekistan, that some of these weapons may end up in the hands of the insurgency in Iraq. Does the president know what the left hand is doing versus the right hand in his administration? Well, a continuing question we contemplate down here on Gray Matters. We're pretty much out of time. It's a little after 7 p.m. You have been listening to Gray Matters. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN-FM. Ann Arbor with Jerry Mack and Yazoo City Calling. We'd like to thank Nathan for engineering once again this week. Next week, I'll talk a little bit about the troubling monopolization by Clear Channel. Good night.
That's Peter Chapman in the background, also known as Memphis Slim, doing the Down the Road Blues. Telling it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack.